Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. <laughs> Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, I am your host of the Fab Lab Podcast, Aaron Crowley, and I could not be more excited than I am right now to be tuning in with you. This is kind of a milestone episode for, uh, for a number of reasons, I guess. Number one, it's the first episode I have recorded in about six months. Number two, the topic I'm going to share with you today has had some pretty profound impacts on the business over the last six months. And number three, I'm recording this on my brand new podcast studio setup. Now, I, I typically don't geek out over equipment and technology. Uh, it doesn't excite me. Honestly, it doesn't interest me to the extent that it is necessary to accomplish a certain outcome. But, but I got to tell you, um, I'm having fun with this new system. And one of the little uh, features that it's got is this, uh, this audio pad that allows you to upload different sounds like applause. So I'm just kind of having fun with this. And, and really the goal was to, in, to dramatically and noticeably increase and improve the audio quality of these recordings. And so hopefully you can tell the difference between this episode and the last one um, because this investment was significant. Um, to that point, a brief, another aside, an aside from the aside. Um, as a general rule, I've never geeked out over equipment generally, not in a stone shop setting by any means. I, I have long thought that the focus, that the emphasis, that the fixation that our industry has on technology and equipment um, was all I, I actually counterproductive, giving the impression that 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 was the defining, deciding factor in the success of a business. And I really don't think that it is. Uh, I, the equipment that you have in your shop does not necessarily mean that your shop will be successful. What ultimately determines success is, is defined by you, the business owner, and whether or not you are accomplishing the results that you want to accomplish through your business. So you can have a wildly, wildly, wildly successful stone shop with a rail saw and a pickup truck. Um, and for somebody else, depending on how they define success, it requires a completely digital, completely integrated, automated operation, which is fine too. But we need not get caught up in that discussion. The technology, the equipment is, is an afterthought. It facilitates the goals that the owner has for the business, the results that he has deemed or she has deemed is necessary that the business accomplish. And so that's really what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to pivot off of that. I don't know why I went down that path. Back onto this topic of results. And the topic today, where results originate and how to achieve them. You see, if you're not achieving the results that you want in your business, I've discovered recently that you can trace that back to a thought. There is a very, very straightforward progression that occurs, and you can reverse engineer it. You can start at the result that you don't have and work back to its origin, and then you start at the origin and then work forward to make sure that the result is accomplished. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what results you want to accomplish in your business, what results you must achieve in your business so that you are successful as you define it. But today we're going to talk about this topic to give some insight. And I'm going to share briefly about my own experience and, and why this is so important and, and why we've seen such tremendous growth as a result of just unlocking the simple little mystery in the business and things are falling into place in a way that they've just never worked before. It's really exciting. And, and I don't want to like overstate it. Because this is a relatively simple concept, and yet it's profound. At least it was profound for me, and so I want to share that with you. So this idea of, of, of tracing a result back to the thought, why would I say that? Well, I'm going to tell you where I learned this here in a little bit, but, but, but I've always suspected on this really general, really vague level that mindset or a thought or a 
patterns of thought or beliefs really do influence you know, how we view the world. That's how I would have probably stated that. In fact, in my workshop, I think it's my best workshop, the map to full potential. M stands for mindset. And I've advocated for years that what you believe about yourself and what you believe about your employees will determine whether or not your company reaches its full potential. So like in the subconscious gut level sense, I've grasped this concept that that our thoughts, that our mindsets are critically important and they influence outcomes, but I didn't really understand how and I didn't really understand why until I began studying um, the materials in a book that was recommended to me by my mastermind group coach, Cliff Ravenscraft, and and then some one-on-one coaching that I did with him on this topic really unraveled this mystery for me, and uh, things just kind of clicked, and holy cow, now seeing the correlation between my thoughts, my mindset, and those outcomes is just so clear, and it has given me an ability to be very proactive, if you will, to be very conscious, to be very purposeful. In, in, in how I manage my thinking as it, relate, as it relates to the results that I am trying to accomplish in the business, because those results lead to how I've defined success in the business. And so, like I said, I never really understood this, but I've always grasped like this concept. Uh, you know, Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. You know, he was alluding to this fact that our thoughts are so important as it results, as it relates to the results that we have in our life. And so we're going to unpack this little progression. I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to share with you my own personal experience of where I was desiring a result, a very specific result in the business, and our failure to achieve it was limiting the company in terms of it reaching its potential, and it was causing me insane amounts of frustration because I didn't know how to overcome it, and it was through this understanding that we've overcome that, and we are now seeing results in an area of our business that we've never seen before. Uh, at least not in a cause and effect manner. And so it's just really exciting. So um, let me step back just a little bit because I want to give credit where credit is due. This this is not something I just like had a dream one night and then all of a sudden this epiphany occurred and wow, now I understand it. Now this came from reading a book that was recommended to me. Actually, it was recommended to another member of the mastermind group I'm a part of by our coach, Cliff Ravenscraft. And I was like, oh, that sounded in- intriguing. So I got the book, listened to it on Audible twice. It so rocked my world. I, I contacted my coach, Cliff. I said, Cliff, we, we got to reconnect on this. I've got to have some one-on-one time with you. You got to walk me through this concept because um, I, 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 it was so obvious to me that making sure I understood it so that I could put it, the pra- put it into practice in the business, it was, it was critical. It was key. And so out of that came this massive revelation and, and came some pretty fantastic results that we're experiencing in the business right now. And I'm not going to mention the name of the author or the book yet. Uh, I, I will do that in subsequent episodes because I really want to do it justice. And But what I do want to do is just let you know that this came from an author. I, I will be sharing. I've got, a, I've got an invitation out to this author f- to be a guest on the podcast, and we're waiting to hear back from them. They... Uh, they require typically a much larger audience than we have here on the Fab Lab podcast, which if you share the podcast, maybe we can grow it to the point where they'll have no choice but to come onto the podcast and share this fantastic message. But in the meantime, I just wanted you to know that I didn't come up with this on my own. So this progression, you reverse engineer the result that you want or the result that you want to improve you can trace that back. Its origin is a thought, the thought about that result, the thought that preceded the goal or the objective that that result defines. That's where we have to start. That result is either achieved or not achieved in 
that thought. So my own experience, the, the challenge that we'd been having was generating a scalable and economical source of qualified retail leads for our stone shop. And we had tried and tried and tried. I knew the success of the business. I knew the growth of the business hinged upon us understanding this, unlocking this mystery, figuring this out. And yet time after time after time, we failed. And I couldn't understand why. I got to the point where I just adopted a belief. And it was subconscious. I didn't understand this until I had worked through this with my coach, Cliff Ravenscraft. I had adopted a belief because of my experiences. This belief was formed that this result was not possible. And so I operated from this this conflict, this catch-22. On one hand, it was obvious that we had to accomplish this result so that the company could grow and be successful. But simultaneously, I was holding another thought that it wasn't possible. It's necessary, but not possible. And as a result of that, my thinking affected negatively everything downstream between the thought and the understanding that we needed to solve this problem. My thinking affected everything downstream from that and was ultimately why we weren't achieving the result that we wanted. And so here's the progression. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. Thoughts that we have, our mindset, our firmly held beliefs, these patterns of thought that we hold to, oftentimes subconsciously, thought is where it originates. Our thoughts influence and determine the feelings that we have. The kind of thoughts we have about this result are going to be influencing how we feel about that result. How we feel about a particular result or a particular goal or a particular outcome, how we feel about that is going to ultimately determine what we do, how we act, if we act, and in some cases, whether or not we act. Thoughts precede feelings, which dictate actions, and it's the actions that ultimately determine the results. So in a nutshell, if you've got flawed thoughts that give you bad feelings that influence the decisions that you make and you make counterproductive decisions or you take actions that aren't likely to produce the result or, (laughs) as is often the case, we fail to act or we determine that it isn't worth acting, those actions are what produce the results. So it's the thought determines the feelings, the feelings dictate the actions or inactions, and it's the actions that ultimately produce the results. Now, that sounds really simplistic, and when I when I started to unpack this, I was like, I got to be missing something, because I could see it's so clear that this is playing out in my business, but I couldn't quite grasp how, why, until I had this interaction with my coach, and, and, and we worked through this, and so here's what happened. I have this thought. This result is necessary. We've got to generate high-quality, scalable leads to grow the business in our, in our segment of the business. But the, simultaneously, I had this other thought, this flawed thought, this incorrect thought that it wasn't possible. Now, that was based on my past experience. My failures in the past to actually achieve that result began to influence us. So that made me feel a, a, a variety of conflicting emotions. I would feel frustrated as I would begin to realize, okay, we got to invest. We've got to spend money. We've got to generate more leads to grow the business. And so we'd ramp up to do so. And I would begin to feel these conflicting emotions, frustration, remembering the the failures of the past, the fear that I'm going to spend this money and it's going to be for naught. All these conflicting emotions, these feelings were just, they weren't in alignment. They were, they were just, um, toxic, if you will, within my own, you know, within my own experience. And so those feelings were then influencing 
the decisions that I would make about generating those leads, how we spent that money, how much money we spent. Well, we need to spend 10000 and I would say, well, it's going to be a waste of money anyway because it's not going to work because we've proven that it doesn't work, but we've also proven that we have to make it work. And so instead of investing 10000 I'd invest 5000 Instead of sticking it out for a year, I'd stick it out for six months and then just pull the plug. And, and these are just a few of the many, 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 many examples of the kind of uh, distorted actions and conflicted actions that I was taking that were then leading to this sub par, the unacceptable results that we were experiencing that weren't allowing the business to grow, but yet were in a sense confirming my original thought. It was like it was validating. It was just this, this, this screwball approach to lead generation. And, and, and so two things were happening. I was perpetually frustrated and we perpetually didn't have the leads that we needed until I went back and discovered this conflict in my thinking. Number one, that it was necessary, but number two, that it didn't work and it wasn't possible that was affecting everything downstream, how I felt about it, and then the decisions that I was willing to make to produce the outcome. And so that is what I wanted to share with you today. Now, you may have results in your business. And in fact, I'd, I recommend stopping right now. What are some results in the business that you have identified as necessary to accomplish, but they've been elusive? What's going through your mind right now in terms of things that are really, really important for you to accomplish, but they are yet unaccomplished? I would say stick a pin in those things and let's use that. You can use that in your mind going forward to apply this principle to to work back to essentially reverse engineer, start at the, the lack of result that you want to improve and go back. What's the origin thought about that result? What are you thinking about that outcome that may be influencing how you feel about it and how might those feelings be determining or dictating the kinds of actions that you're taking or maybe the action that you're not taking that you need to take to see that outcome accomplished. Does that make sense? Well, hopefully it does, but I'm going to give you a quick, just a, a, a scenario that I find very common in our industry. In fact, it's very common across businesses, you know, irrespective of industry. And I heard a, a speaker years ago, his name was Tim Wiles, the wizard of ads. He was a guru when it came to radio advertising. And, uh, this is dealing with the business owner's perception of the marketplace and, and and the perception that most business owners have of the buying public, the people that are actually buying the products and services. Most business owners incorrectly believe that the vast majority of the buyers in the marketplace are price focused, that they ultimately make their decision based on the lowest price option that they have. When statistically, when the data shows that it actually is not true, that about half the population, half the buying public is price conscious. The other half is what's called relational, which means they are willing to pay more for what it is that they value. The problem with most, most business owners is that because those price conscious shoppers are overrepresented because they shop, they go out and shop and they shop and they get five quotes and they get eight quotes and they're fixated on price and they're saying, well, you're more than the other guy and what can you do? Can you cut this? You know, how, why are you so expensive? I need you to lower your price. We want to work with you, but you know, you need to take a thousand bucks off your job because those people are so overrepresented business owners it essentially miss the, the fact they they conclude incorrectly that that defines all of the buyers in the marketplace. And so here's how this plays out. If you're a business owner that believes if you're thought and you need sales, that's the outcome that you need. You need you need revenue. If your starting thought is that the that the buying public is price conscious, that is going to affect your, the way you feel about those customers when they come in the door, when they request a quote from you. 
your feeling is going to be a sense of helplessness. They, they, they always make their decision based on price. So I feel like I have to always lower my prices to get the work. Well, that feeling is going to influence what you do. If you are going to uh, you know, be congruent, if you're going to be in alignment with that thought and that feeling, your, your actions are going to follow. Then you're going to, a sense, you're going to accommodate them. You're going to align your business around serving what you perceive to be the customer's expectations, and you're going to lower your price. You're going to figure out ways to cut costs and try and get the work by being the lowest bidder or being competitive with the lowest bidder to earn that business. Now, here's the outcome. Here's the result. Tell me if I'm not right on this. By and large, the super price conscious nitpicky customers end up being the worst customers, the most insufferable customers, the ones that are most likely to write a negative review for you, even though they've got the best deal. As a general rule, that's the outcome. If you believe everybody's price conscious and you feel like you have no choice, you're going to adapt your business to cater to them. And the outcome is going to be lower margins and more frustration and more negative reviews. Let me just turn this over to give the, the, the other side of the coin. Let's just say you adopt a new belief, a new thought, a new mindset based on the truth, based on the facts, based on new information that actually those people only represent half the marketplace. The other half of the marketplace is completely different. They value trust. They value performance. They value their time. And they're willing to pay more. In fact, in some cases, they're willing to pay a lot more because they value their time so much, they don't have time to go get eight quotes. If they can find one trusted source, they'll go get one quote. And it's like, I don't care what the price is. I need this done. I have a result that I need accomplished and I'm willing to pay to have it done so I can focus on the things I want to focus on. So if you believe that, if that's your starting point, fellow fab shop owner, ladies and gentlemen, if you adopt that mindset, let me just show, share with you how this plays out in this, this progression. My feelings now are going to be different about who's walking into my showroom, who is requesting quotes from me. I'm going to feel a much greater sense of confidence in my pricing that there's actually quality, high-margin work in the marketplace. That confidence, that feeling, that sense of optimism is going to allow me to take different actions. I'm going to now be able to act like this. I need to understand what those relational buyers are looking for. What is it that they do value? I need to take actions to adjust my business to provide for them what it is they're looking for, and more importantly, what it is they're willing to pay a lot more for. So now I'm taking a whole different type of action. The, the, the work that I am doing as a result of this thought and the subsequent feelings is much more productive it's much more positive, and here's the result. So when I'm taking those kind of actions, I'm listening to the buyer. What is it that you value? I'm going, I can deliver that, and here's what I'm going to charge to deliver that because I recognize that you value that outcome more than the lowest price. Here's the result that I'm going to get generally. Tell me if this isn't true. Those type of customers, now, there obviously are exceptions to this rule, but the people that aren't solely fixated on price typically they got other things that they're worried about. They're not in their kitchen with a magnifying glass. They're so busy making money at whatever it is that they do. They're so busy doing whatever it is they want to do. And oh, by the way, I need a countertop. My wife needs a countertop. Can you bring it in here, please? They're not in there with a fine-tooth comb inspecting the seam and the granules and the edges and the chips and the, and the caulking on the sink and the backsplash and whatnot. They got bigger fish to fry. They got things that they focus on. They just want someone to come in there and take care of it. So the result is entirely different than the result of 
the mindset that predisposes you towards that price conscious customer. Now I've got higher margins, fewer headaches because the customer isn't going to be nearly as picky. And I've got a business that is now catering to a high margin, high quality clientele. So I get the outcome, the result that I want in my business, which is higher profits and fewer headaches. So that's how this progress, in terms of just a sales scenario, this mindset thought process influences the feelings, which dictates the actions that we take. And tell me if I'm not correct here. Those are two distinctly, almost polar opposite approaches to the customer, and they produce polar opposite results. Now, this is true in every facet of the business. Let me give you another example. If you think, if it's your belief, if, if, if you subconsciously or consciously, as is the case very often, that 3CM countertops are not heavy, that installers shouldn't whine and complain about having to pick those things up to load them into the truck. They shouldn't have to complain about packing them up the driveway and up the stairs and into the kitchen, lifting them a third time when they set them on the cabinets. If you feel, if you believe, rather, if you think that that's just standard operating procedure, that there's nothing out of the ordinary about that, that installers should be able to do that without complaining, you're going to feel some emotions at a certain point, at a certain period of time, when those installers start complaining, when they start mentioning, boss, my back's starting to hurt, my shoulder's giving out, boss, I don't know how long I can do this, I'm not feeling very good, I don't know if my body can continue to suffer the abuse. Your feelings about that kind of feedback from your installers when that weight eventually catches up with them is going to ultimately determine how you respond. If you feel like that is not valid, if you feel that you maybe are the victim of a potential you know, worker's comp claim because your installers are complaining about their physical health after having lifted 3CM countertops day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, year in, year out, year after year, that emotional response to that information is going to lead you to certain actions or inactions. You might say to them, your, your response might be, this is where the action produces a result, suck it up. Your action might be inaction. I'm just going to ignore it. Your action might be, well, I'll just find another installer, someone who doesn't complain about the fact that their back hurts. That's the case. The result, inevitably, when the cumulative effect of lifting 3CM countertops eventually and ultimately catches up with that installer, that highly skilled, highly critical individual in your operation that either makes or breaks that install at the end of the day so that you get paid or not, If you lose that highly skilled installer due to just the physical wear and tear on his body or the the point where he just concludes, like, I can't do this anymore, or you realize I'm going to have to put him out the pasture, he's now got to go do templates, or now he's got to go run a piece of equipment, the result of that can be either broken countertops because now you've got less skilled guys doing the work, lower productivity because you have less skilled guys doing the work, the brain drain, the loss of a highly skilled installer, the cost of that on your operation it's so great, it's difficult to actually put a number on it. But once again, we see this process. What you think, what you believe, your mindset about a particular outcome, i.e. the physical health of your installers and how long you want them to work for you, that thought process is followed by your feelings. How do you feel about those installers? Your feelings about those installers and how valuable they are is ultimately going to determine the actions that you take 
or don't take to preserve their physical health. Now, where am I going with this, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> well, you know that the No Lift Install System is a sponsor of the Fab Lab podcast. With over 650 stone shops in the United States and Canada and England, Ireland, New Zealand, and I think Australia, 650 customers. Real interesting. That is an action that has been taken by over 650 companies in the industry. The outcome for their installers is is night and day difference. But it begins with a thought. It begins with the belief that at a certain point, lifting 3CM countertops is actually harmful, destructive, and counterproductive for your company. If you operate from that mindset, you're going to begin to feel an emotional response, number one, towards your company because you want to retain your profits, and, and more importantly, your feelings towards your employees, the physical health of those young men, those and in some cases those old men who are sacrificing their physical health and their futures for the, the bottom line of your company, you're going to have emo- feelings about that. If you feel responsible to a certain degree for their physical health and their longevity on your company, the actions you might take, the actions you will take, will ultimately produce a different result. And in this case, the action that you can take is to buy a no-lift system for your installers. The outcome is going to be this, higher productivity, fewer broken countertops, and less turnover. You're going to retain those highly skilled installers. Now, is that not an outcome that you want? Is that not a result that would ultimately and and, and entirely benefit your business, not to mention the physical health of the installer? Ladies and gentlemen, a survey was just done of no-lift customers. 96% of no-lift customers said they wish they would have bought the no-lift system sooner than they did. They waited too long. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're thinking, yeah, you know, Lifting 3CM countertops day in and day out may not be a good thing, and I feel like it might be time to consider an alternative. The action you can take is visiting noliftsystem.com today. Reach out, get some information, and get your crew a system. It's going to transform their careers, and it's going to lower your cost and improve your profits as soon as you put that piece of equipment into use in your shop. That's one piece of equipment you need to have no matter what kind of operation you have for the sake of your installers and the sake of your bottom line. So, thoughts. Results have their origin in our beliefs about that outcome. Those thoughts, those mindsets, those beliefs, those thought patterns ultimately will dictate, they determine the feelings that we have about that outcome. Those feelings influence what it is we're willing to do, the actions that we take, the steps that we take, or in many cases, those feelings lead to inaction. I feel like this is a complete waste of money. Well, if I feel like something is a complete waste of money, I don't like wasting money. Am I likely to buy something that I feel is a waste of money? No, I'm not. And so the result that that investment might have had is missed. And you get a a result. It just may not be the result that you want or the result that you need to ultimately accomplish success in your stone shop. So thoughts precede feelings, which dictate actions, which ultimately determine the results that we have in the business and the results that we have in our life. And so let me ask you something, fellow fabricator. Do you want to improve the results in a certain aspect of your business? If you do, let me encourage you. This is the process. It's super simple. Trace it back to your thought. What do you think about that particular topic, that particular outcome, that particular result that you want in the business? What do you think about it? What are the thoughts that you're having? It takes some time and you might even need some help, you know, kind of sorting that out. Then you can begin to assess, how, how are those thoughts making me feel? What is the emotional response or reaction that I have to that thought now that I think about it? 
those feelings that we can then assess. And I, it's, it seems odd that I would be saying this on a podcast, <laughs> recommending that anybody assess their feelings. It, it, but it's true. It's absolutely necessary because once we understand how we're feeling about these decisions, we can understand how they're going to infect the, the decisions that we make. And, and it's the decisions. If you make the right decision, you get the right outcome. You make the wrong decision, you don't get the outcome you want. You don't get the result that you must achieve in the business. And so this is critically important, ladies and gentlemen, and it plays out in, in, in virtually every facet of life up to and including every facet of your stone shop. And so I want to leave you with another quote. I, I quoted, uh, at least I think I quoted Henry Ford in the beginning of the episode. Whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. Confirming what Henry Ford, a mildly successful business guy from the last century, you know, he understood the power of what we believe, what we think, the power of our mindset and the, the role that it plays in the success that we have, the outcomes that we experience. Well, I want to read to you somewhat of an expanded version of this. Author is Paul J. Meyer. Now listen to this. I'll probably, I'll probably read through this a number of times. Whatever you vividly imagine. No, actually, let me stop. Let me back up there. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not overlook. Let's not underestimate the value, the importance of accomplishing the goals that you have in your business. Like I said at the beginning, it's not about the equipment. It's about how you have de- how you have defined success in your stone shop. How have you defined success? When you realize the stakes, success or failure, and you, you realize the scope and, and the role and the level of importance that your business plays in your life, it's really, really, really worthwhile to focus on this, to assess the results that lead up to that success in your business. So the stakes are high. I, I, just, I just feel like we got to emphasize that here. So now, having said that, validating the utter importance, the, the, the genuine necessity of you accomplishing what you need to accomplish, what you want to accomplish to get the results that you must have in your business, I am validating and I'm here to say that that is absolutely critically important that you accomplish that for yourself, for your family, in the business and outside of the business. So with that being said, fellow stone shop owner, ladies and gentlemen, Quote by Paul J. Meyer, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, this is important, and enthusiastically act upon, must inevitably come to pass. I'm going to read that again. Whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon, must inevitably come to pass. I get excited when I read that statement. In lieu of this new understanding about how thoughts influence feelings, which dictate actions and ultimately determine results, whatever you vividly imagine, imagination begins in the mind. Whatever it is you imagine as it relates to the result that you have identified, the, the, the utter importance of accomplishing that outcome, that result, the role that it plays in the success of your business and your life outside of work, that imagine, you imagining that vividly begins in the mind. That's the beginning of this thought process. What you ardently desire, what you emphatically want, that is a reflection of a very profound need in your life. If you ardently desire something, it is important and it must be accomplished. I'm here to tell you, you need to accomplish that in your business. I'm not just necessarily know why. You might not even know why yet. 
but it's worth pursuing. What you sincerely believe in. Now, this is important, and it comes back to this thought and the feelings. If you don't sincerely believe, you're probably not going to act, or your actions may not be sufficient or adequate to produce the outcome that must inevitably come to pass. So, so these outcomes, these results that you want, you must sincerely believe that they are possible and that they are necessary. And as this builds, the most important aspect here, again, you know, the results are not a, I thought this, I sent this thought into the universe and the reverberations somehow disrupted the universe and sent back to me the result that I wanted. That's hogwash. That's crap. But our thoughts do determine the actions that we take, and it's the actions that we take that produce the results in our life. And so when we enthusiastically act upon those things that we sincerely believe in and our, you know, our emotions, they must inevitably come to pass. Now, enthusiastically act upon. Now, I'm going to pull for some, some other writing that I've been learning from this. Oh, my gosh, this is so powerful. Enthusiastically act. It may be, in fact, it is likely going to be the case that in the in, in the interest of acting, it's not going to be a simple act. You're not going to know exactly what to do the first time out to produce the result that you want. You may have to evaluate the results and go, hmm, still not adequate, still not sufficient, still not the result that I want. I got to change my tactics. I got to adjust. What I was doing wasn't working as well as I wanted it to. I got to try something else. Now I got to try something else. I got to try something else. So enthusiastically acting upon is continuing to act until the result that you want has inevitably come to pass. Ladies and gentlemen, this should increase. I'm getting excited because of the potential. When I imagine this multiplied throughout our business over the next few years, our improved ability to accomplish the results that have been elusive in the past are now a lot more likely to to be what we want them to be because we understand this process that it begins with our thoughts. Let's go back. Let's evaluate. What do we believe? Do we believe this piece of equipment is necessary? Do we believe this you know hire that we need to make is going to get the outcome that we want? Do, do we believe the loan from the bank? Do we believe the partnership opportunity that we've got? Do we believe this customer is the right customer for us at the right time? This just has this this plays out in every facet of the business. What we believe. Our mindset, the thoughts that we have about a particular outcome is going to influence our feelings about it. Those feelings are going to dictate, because we cannot act in conflict with ourselves. We cannot feel a certain way and then enthusiastically act in conflict with that. We're we're physiologically not capable of that kind of uh, lack of congruency, congruency in our lives. There's got to be alignment, ladies and gentlemen. So when those feelings are aligned those beliefs, we sincerely believe it, then we can act in accordance with those thoughts and feelings and beliefs. And when we act and continue to act and enthusiastically act and continuously act and we never give up, we continue to persist until that result is achieved. Wow, that's powerful. In that sense, is there anything in your business, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, that you can't accomplish? Is there any outcome that you have maybe concluded is just not within reach? It's just not something you're going to be able to attain. I would challenge you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to challenge you as your, as the host of the Fab Lab podcast, to the extent that that gives me authority to speak into your life. I'm telling you, reconsider it. Reevaluate it. If there's something that's important to you, there's a reason why it's important, and it's a valid, worthwhile exercise for you to go and reassess whether or not the fact that you don't have it is, is coming out of the fact that your, your, your thoughts are flawed and your feelings are skewed, and so your actions are not in alignment with what is necessary to produce that outcome. Ladies and gentlemen, this is important. 
and I'm so glad that you tuned in to the Fab Lab podcast so that I can share it with you. And, and let me say, as, as an aside, as we launch Season 3, as we kick off Season 3 and get this thing rolling, um, I just want to give you the opportunity to reach out to me. You can, you can contact me, Aaron, at AaronCrowley.com. That's my direct email. If you've got questions about this, feel free to, to, feel free to reach out. But I also want to mention something else. Way back, I think in episode 91, 10, 11 episodes ago, I, I talked about my experience, which I talked about today, in my mastermind group. I am launching a mastermind group myself for the stone industry, and it is only available to a limited number of fabricators. About eight, maximum ten fabricators are going to be permitted to join this mastermind group. And if you are interested in in exploring that, if you're interested in learning more about how a mastermind group works or whether or not that's something you'd like to consider being in my mastermind group going forward so that you can experience the same kind of profound and radical changes and improvements and development and growth in yourself and in your business, I would encourage you to visit the show notes below. There's a link to a simple application that you can fill out that tells me a little bit about your fab shop, tells me about your interest level in my mastermind group. From that, if it looks like it's a good alignment, if it looks like it's a good fit, we'll schedule a 90-minute complimentary coaching call where we can get to know each other, where we can determine whether or not this might be a good fit for you and a good fit for the mastermind group because we want super highly motivated, highly highly motivated stone shop owners to be a part of this group because uh, this this paradigm this mastermind concept is is profoundly effective in results achieving the results that you must have in your business and outside of your business so check out the show notes below you'll see a link to that application you can fill that out it'll come to me and then I'll connect with you and we can explore that together. So ladies and gentlemen, I am so glad. This is a slightly longer episode than normal. Um, but it's the first episode that I've recorded for season three. And I felt like it was worth every single minute. This investment was worth it to me. I hope it was worth it to you. Make sure you check back in. We're going to have more episodes to follow. We've got a lineup of interviews that are going to knock your socks off. We've got some amazing industry experts that are already lined up and scheduled to record interviews. And it's all to help you run your stone shop better. So until then, ladies and gentlemen. Happy fabricating.